listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, check out chrisblair.com. In this episode, I'm going to sit down with Fillmore. He's going to talk about how he moved to Nashville after attending Mizzou in Columbia, Missouri, the steps he went through to build the Fillmore brand and how important that is, how one of his co-writers filed a police report for a guitar that was in a closet, signing a major label deal, leaving a major label deal, touring with Pitbull, and how the best pizza in the world showed up to feed them. Let's check it out. Here's Fillmore. Hey guys, this is Chris Blair with another episode of Stories Behind the Songs, and I am here today with Fillmore. Fillmore, good to have you, dude. Dude, happy to be here. Yeah. This is, uh, we're on the stage of the listening room. This is kind of a stage. Yeah, we are. Yeah. I love it here. So many memories. Lots of history, man. Yeah. We we met, um, was it 11, 12 years ago, probably now? Uh, you moved to town in 2011. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, it's been 11 years. Been so longer than that. We met at least. At least when you moved to town, if not before, because Doug Howard connected us. Yeah, I think it was like um, right when I moved here. Yeah. Yeah. So lots has happened, man. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. It makes me feel old. 11 Dude, years. Man. You're a lot younger than I am. Come on, man. No. We're both old now. <laughs> we, old. we are that. Yeah, yeah we could just There's easily a certain say we're, we're just old. Yeah. <laughs> we are. We are just both old. man. <laughs> so, yeah, I moved to, uh, moved to Nashville in 2011, but you had a lot going on before you moved here. Um you grew up uh, same place my parents live in Wildwood, Missouri. Yes, sir. And yeah. um, and then you went to uh, good old Mizzou. University of Missouri, man. So uh, sports teams to pick it up a little bit, but we're St. Louis Cardinals, man. Yeah, we got that. Yeah, yeah, we got that. So yeah, let's just take the listeners back to um, you know Fillmore was created back in Columbia, Missouri. So walk <laughs> walk kind of walk us through like you know just how you got into this uh, in the first place before Nashville. For sure. Um, so yeah, Missouri. Uh, you know, I went to Mizzou on music and business. Um, you know, both those degrees and studied music. And I was touring on the weekends to make extra cash. Fillmore originally, which is so my name is Tyler Fillmore. My last name is Fillmore. I go by Fillmore. Um, it was originally like a trio. I was trying to like emulate Rascal Flats or like Love and Theft when they were a trio. Yep. If you remember that, and um, <clears throat> that was kind of the goal. And then. When I moved to Nashville, I got rid of just being by Fillmore, which was like a band, I guess. And then I went by Tyler Fillmore for like two years. And then I went back to Fillmore, but Fillmore wasn't a band anymore. It was <laughs> yeah. just me. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of touring, like, you know, kind of a college scene before I moved here. But um, moving here was definitely like the pinnacle to like, still figuring things out, becoming a better songwriter. Um, you know, all the all those things that happen when you move to Nashville, making those connections. And it still took X amount of years before I really kind of hit my stride on Fillmore, not the band, but Fillmore, the artist. Yeah, the solo artist. Everybody follow that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, sorry. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, when I met you, it was Tyler <laughs> Fillmore. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was like the back and forth. And um, there's, but there's a lot of artists. I mean, it's the same thing with me. I mean, Chris Blair. Yeah. Like, that's not my name. Like, yeah. that is my middle name. Yep. Christopher Blair Shussel. But I've gone by Blair for so many years that nobody, I mean, you know, if I introduce myself as Chris Chussel, I don't even know if you knew that, but like, I, I mean, I think I barely knew you probably, that. It's I'm learning point, something yeah. new right now. Yeah. Hold yeah. on. So like, what is your name? I think that's, that's like a prerequisite. You got to move when you move to Nashville, you have to change your name at least once. Yeah. There you go. So you can stick with it or you can go back. Well, it's like matter. iterations of our real name. Like it is not, it's our birth name. We just kind of switched it around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I mean, then, uh, you got to town and, um, you did what so many people in Nashville do and just started the grind of, 
playing writers rounds and writing we've we've written uh, at least a couple times i don't remember um uh but yeah i mean it's, you know i just i i watched you develop them like just you know kind of creating who you were as a brand for sure and you did it the right way that's that's the that's the thing that like you know from the very beginning you came in this with you know and probably mizzou was a big part of that you know knowing the business side of the music industry mm-hmm. um but you ca- you came in like having the creative talent but also understanding that Fillmore is a brand that you had to build and you've, you've done a pretty awesome job doing that. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. I mean, that was definitely always like on the for like on the focus was making sure it was a brand and building it the right way. It did take time. And obviously I say back then, cause we are old, but um, <laughs> things have changed a, a good amount on the way you can kind of get your music out there, the way you can be seen. Um, but touring was a huge aspect of that and finding ways to get in front of other huge artists that people already knew who they were and then opening those shows. I think that was like a way bigger thing than it is now. I think it's a cool accolade to have now as a new up and coming artist, but I think you're really getting noticed online more than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I still, I think that people are actually showing up, putting butts in seats, um, that's still kind of the moniker of whether you've made it or not. It's not about followers, in my opinion, um, mainly because a lot of people fake those numbers and or buy them. Right. Um, it, you know, there's apps where you can check that stuff now. but um, Or the following is based on um, something else they did online that really doesn't translate to them being an artist on stage. So actually putting butts in seats, like having your name on a title and people showing up to see your show and listening to your songs, I still think is like the mecca of what you need to have um, when you're creating a brand or trying to get there. I think once you've done that and people are there to see you, I think that's when you can actually, you actually know you have an actual career in a brand. And I think, I think people are losing sight of that right now um, because people are just doing money grabs, excited about what's happening, but I'm diving further in the conversation than we even are at right now. No, man, I I love it. I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's kind of what I meant by understanding the business side of it. Cause I, you know, I, we, we've ran around in the same circles We're we're good friends with a lot of the same people. And, you know, you kind of built this team early on, um, by yourself and you, you, like you're talking about, yeah, that people can buy their followers or, you know, like we were talking before we started, you know, someone like builds a following because they cook in their kitchen. Um, but that's not what they do. They're, they're an artist. So all their followers are around, make a meatloaf. You know, it's yeah. like the art that they do on stage where like you, like, I remember, I don't even remember what app it was, maybe Vine or something like that. But we were down at Second Avenue and I remember you doing some stuff down there and like, I hadn't even heard of this app. You know, yeah. it was like, you were always kind of the forefront of like knowing what was coming next and like, and, and playing off that and building based off of what you do and who you are. So, you know, that's, I appreciate that. Wish I would have been a Vine star. It didn't work out. <laughs> I missed the TikTok. I don't think anybody to... was a Vine star. Oh, yeah, they were. Were they? Oh, yeah. Luke yeah. Combs is a huge Vine star. Yeah? Yeah, so See, was, uh... that's this is this is going back to the old conversation, because, like, as soon as I figured out what it was, it was like, okay, it's gone. Shawn Mendes, Vine star. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, it worked out for a lot of people. Yeah. I don't Fact check me. I'm not 100% sure. But there's a lot of Vine stars. <laughs> that's cool. So, yeah, so, like, you know, how was it when you uh, when you first moved to town and started, you know, started writing? Did you co-write before you moved here? Um, I tried. I mean, yeah. I tried a lot of things. I don't, I don't think I really found my right, my, like, 
my stride in riding until like years after living here. Honestly, that's I, I don't know. I now you know I've put over the ten thousand hours and written so many songs and done so many things. Now it's just like how creative and fun I can be with songs. Yeah, I feel like you know how to kind of do it a certain way, but then it just comes down to like you can write the best song in the world, and it still comes down to connections, luck, a little bit of luck, connections, um, people around you, the money. Um, and just all the little other pieces you need. Not only do you need to write the best song, then you need everyone around you to believe it's the best song, and then you need all those people to go push it the correct way, and it needs to somehow fall in the right lap. So at the end of the day, all I can do is really focus on just trying to be the best at the craft, but it's still, like, so much luck that comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I think, you know, I've talked about this a lot with several guests, but it is about being in this town. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, you, you've got to have those contacts. And, um, you know, I know for me, I had written before I moved to Nashville, but I had never co-written gotcha. and didn't understand what that was like to sit in a room and pour your emotions out. But, you know, now I rarely write by myself. Sam, you know, I don't remember the last time I wrote by myself yeah. or I write by myself, but I stopped to at take like, into a room with yeah, somebody else. Yeah, is, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's just that grind and, and being here and writing those hundred songs to find the one okay. And, uh, you know, you, you did that for um, for years and, and just grinding. And I think it was 2018 where things really started to kind of shift for you and you started putting out, um, you know, some great songs like Slower and, you know, you had like two or three releases that were pretty big in 2018. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Uh, that was, that was kind of like the big independent year I'd you know, I'd been in this town and had offers to sign stuff and do things with record labels and everything like that and just wasn't about it. Um, I wanted to create leverage, um, which I would, you know, hope I would say to anybody, create leverage just like any other business. Um, I think it really just makes you more valuable if you take the first deal or the fastest thing or you take the money up front. I think you're doing yourself a disservice unless that's your goal. If your goal is to get a quick buck and get out, then by all means do it. But yeah. if this is like a career for you and you're trying to play stadiums, it's just going to be a lot of no's, a lot of ups and downs and um, a lot of build and creating that leverage was a huge part of this for me in 2018. So um, it was all leading up to that. And then, you know, you negotiate deals. And um, at that point in time, especially for what the market was, TikTok didn't exist yet. Um, you had Instagram, you had like a lot of other things like from a social platform, but um the digital streaming platforms um, like the DSPs, Spotify, Apple, all those things were a huge help to build my career and get noticed outside of Nashville and outside of social media that really put me on people's radar in their homes and stuff like that, especially while that was blowing up. Because um, before that, it was really just radio. That's all you really had. Um, but that was kind of a big turning point for me was having those platforms kind of prop me up, um, especially since I was independent. And then not having a record label at the time, I was able to take all that money that the record label makes and I was putting that in my pocket and putting that back to my team mm -hmm. and touring on that and just cycling it through. So like no different than I said about the songs, it does take a lot of luck, but being prepared for when the luck hits was a, definitely a big, big lucky stride for me. I was, I was able to like prepare for it for years, build leverage, and then I got lucky. I got the playlist and I got everything. And then I was able to just kind of kind of keep going off of that. So that's what 2018 kind of launched into. And then, um, you know, it still is, uh, you still need 
country radio and uh, especially in, in the country platform. And yeah. so I ended up in 2019 signing um, a record deal for country radio and just kept trying to build the rise and then COVID hits and then things shift and you just got to keep fighting the good fight. So it's yeah. been a, it's been a crazy couple of years. Um, I know like, I want to talk about COVID in a second. Cause I know like, I mean, 2020 was a huge year for you, but uh, for on, on multiple reasons, music yeah. and personal. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, love that about you. Nothing better, slower 2018 releases that all did very well. Um, do you have a favorite? I think love that about you. Still my favorite. Yeah. I think that should have been my, I wish it would have been my first radio single, but slower was, I, I honestly, I, 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 I say that I say it out loud and I don't really know if I agree. I like them all. I, the thing is like, I don't really put a song out. So let me rephrase that. <laughs> I don't put a song out since 2015. Yeah, since 2015, which I hope you can't find any of the other ones before. But I don't put a song out since that moment. Like when I figured out Fillmore is the brand, and when I really got in my stride of writing and like how who I was as an artist, and I really just stopped listening to people. I was like, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. Every song from 2015 on, it's if it's out in the world or if it's put out, if it's on my Instagram and it's just a demo, if anything is, then it's because I truly believe in it and I don't regret putting it out. And honestly, I think if I put it out, I think it could be a number one. If you still measure your accolades that way, or it could be a huge hit on streaming, whatever, anything I put out, if if it's out in the world, it is a hit to me or it's my favorite. It's at this point, like I don't want to put anything out that I don't think is like a hundred percent, like could be a smash in the world. Yeah. I'm not trying to put filler songs out. I'm not trying to put songs out that kind of fit an album. I'm just trying to put the best song out possible. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's so huge these days too. I mean, it's, and it, again, it goes back to what I was talking about in the beginning about like, you know, the business sense that you have of this is like, you know, we go back to when we were kids listening to, you know, CDs and yeah. you know, all that. That's what it was. You know, they'd have one or two, pre like pre-made ready singles that mm-hmm. they knew they were going to release. And then you had, you know, six, seven, whatever fillers yeah. that, you know, still were good songs, but yeah. um yeah, I think that's, you know, you started uh, doing uh what did we do down in Key West uh, where I, I was there when you like, you pushed the bike in the pool and I was part oh, of yeah. that filming. That, and then, like that it was, was that lookout thing. That, yeah. The lookout. Yeah. <laughs> but that was when you were doing like these, like, um, little EPs that like, you know, and it, that was, that's kind of, you know, that, that had to be eight, nine, even 10 years ago, something like that. But, yeah. uh, like that was when kind of the industry I saw start to shift where, you know, it was like, okay, let's not put crap or whatever out in the world anymore. And you did that so well, like everything that you put out was you, you looked at that as a number one. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I mean, but then it's all like, it's all subjective just because what I think is a hit doesn't mean it is. So it's like, I was just kind of making that personal choice be like, or I'm, I'm, I'm glad you felt the same way, but it was just picking the best songs that I think are the best. Like I'm not going to, if anything is not perfect, I'm going to go rewrite it till I feel like it is. And then make the package as best as it possibly can be instead of having filler songs. But I don't know. Some people love, I, I, I don't know. Music's <laughs> wild right now. It is. It's so wild. I don't, I mean, and, and I've written stuff for other artists and, I had plenty of viral, I, I have not had like a viral smash on TikTok, but I've written songs that are viral smashes on TikTok. 
that I wrote for TikTok that literally are freaking wild. And I'm like, I, I don't know. There it is. I don't know. There, if it, I, is. there it is. We were talking before. <laughs> <laughs> this is all. The, so for everybody listening out there, we I'm just glad listening. mine made it. I, I I've been really disappointed if I didn't get the fire trucks in my podcast. I have gone back and I've listened to these podcasts uh, before we launched uh, getting ready to like record the intros to all these podcasts and listen for it. There it is. Almost every episode, there's a there's a fire station right down the street that we never hear fire trucks, and it's like every episode we do, the fire trucks go by. That's freaking wild. I mean, I don't I don't get it. Hope they're okay. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> just like hope fine. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. So back to songs and everything like that. You know, it's you know, I I think it's uh, it's all subjective. And like the the crazy part is, it is fun to write some of these songs that are completely off the wall that I don't know if i'd put out myself but um i don't know as times change you got to kind of change with the music and try to push the envelope i've always tried to push the envelope so that also kind of can probably be more of a outsider thing um but yeah so going back to love that about you that was out of those three um that was your favorite uh who did you write that with uh i wrote that with michael whitworth benji davis and uh john luke carter Mm. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So what, what was, uh, can you take us kind of through, through coming up with that lyric and kind of just the story behind that song? For sure. Um, that one, so that was like, you know, I think we drank, well, we still drink a lot, but, um, <laughs> people in that camp drank a lot. No, they still drink a lot now. Uh, <laughs> Benji, okay. The more, the main thing I remember from that is that Benji Davis showed up at John Luke's house and we were riding, like, out in, I think, like, Nashboro, like, outside of town, like, a little further than I like. I haven't had a car, so, like, I had to Uber to these places. I still don't have a car, by the way. So, if there's anybody listening that wants to give me a car. <laughs> it worked on the last podcast I was on. Someone offered me a car, but I love it. I don't want to take it. Um, anyway, so, we were out there. It's a right. Um, I think we rode in, like, someone's kitchen. We had, like, the studio speaker set up in the kitchen. Um, we all have nicer setups now. Things have obviously gone well for all of us, um, but we were... A little bit more broke, um, you know, I had 30 rack of beer. Everyone, we drank a lot. We kind of came up with the lyrics and we worked on it for hours and hours and hours, probably longer than we write most songs because, obvi- you know, we have four writers on it and that's that's yeah. more than most. Usually we have three. Yeah. So that was a little, that was, that was kind of different. And then um, the main thing I remember about that ride is that Benji left his guitar Um at the house because we all kind of drank and then like left and then got demo back and um eventually put it out you know it's one of those things where uh my manager actually we had it on like a big whiteboard my manager years later was like yo i i think this song and i was like i wasn't even originally like that wasn't even at the top of my list so it's crazy how people can influence that and then my manager chris perkins was like no this is one of them that have to go out and you know i had like slower and other ones and he's like that's i was like all right so you know you got that's why you have a team all that stuff but the main thing i remember like about the exact right and coming up with the lyric and kind of like trying to make it um i did write it about uh you know my ex to a certain extent a lot of the lyrics kind of lean into that um but the, the main thing i remember about that right no joke is benji left his guitar there and filed a police report because um, <laughs> he, yes. he couldn't find his guitar like a month later. And I think he thought he had brought it home. Then like all of us, like, I don't know where it is. Like no idea what he did with it. John Luke, 
moves out of that house like a year and a half later and then never opened the front closet of the house he was in. That guitar was in that front closet. So Benji <laughs> got his guitar back like a year and after a half. After a year later. and a half. After a year and a half. But like, I'll never forget it. Like that guitar had like a like a police report, all this stuff. Like everyone was like, dude, I have no idea what happened to that guitar. And then a year and a half later, like he's moving. He's like, is this Benji's guitar? It was just in the closet. That is awesome. So I'll never forget that about that song. That's then, what a 30 pack will do to you when you're I guess that was probably, you know. There's probably other hard liquor involved, but at the end of the day, yeah, I, that's what I remember most about that. Weirdly enough, um, it also just became one of those songs that just like before, like from like an Instagram and like a live perspective opening for other people. When I showed up and I was, you know, on the Walker Hayes tour or out with Dana Shea or opening for Sam Hunt or all these people as I continue to name drop on here. Um, I, that was the one song like at the beginning that every person in the crowd sang back. Mm. So that was like kind of like it's probably why it holds such a high place for me. Yeah. Then they did it with slower. Then they did it with nothing. So like as they did it with the other ones you named, that's that was kind of just the first, the first one that people really sang back really loud in like a house of blues or something. And you're like, wow. Where were you the first time that that hit you? I mean, that's got to be like Mohegan Sun, 2016. Uh, me and Sam Hunt. Yeah. That was first time love about you kind of. Did that well? No, that was headlights. Actually, that did that one. That, that might have been the first one. Different song. Sorry, guys. Yeah, the first one with love that about you is probably the biggest. Was Walker Hayes? Uh, top of twenty nineteen. No, I don't know. It was probably on Chase Rice in twenty seventeen. Dude, I don't really. One know. of them. It's one but, of them. But it, it happened what, like. I got to look back. All those years kind of just start rolling together. Yeah. The, the van I mean, days. You, you were like, you were just killing the road. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we hung out quite a bit and then I just, did, I didn't see you. Like you were just never home. Oh yeah. I disappeared. For, I, yeah. And then COVID hits and it kind of starts changing perspective. And I came out of the, I came out of COVID, went straight on the Brett Young tour, which was amazing. Yeah. And then this year, you know, I had the option to do like a headline at the top of the year. And I just, you know, you're, it just didn't make as much sense um, for how oversaturated the market is. And like, I don't know, everything in my career is still, it's still like climbing. It's still doing great. You know, I'm not like completely a household name. I consider myself right in the middle of like as a country artist, but I think what I'm trying to hold on to the most is like, just, you know, it's, it's actually earning what you deserve. And after you work so hard and you do so much, for other people when you get percentages away and all this stuff, I think it can kind of start weighing on you a little bit to where you're like, all right. So I just toured like I just did for five years and like hard. And like, I have thousands of people singing my songs and you know, it doesn't match up monetarily a little bit. And it's the music industry is just one of those industries where yeah. it is pretty backwards that way. Um, so finding your way to really kind of, win and monetize that and also feel like you're staying true to your craft and building the biggest fan base. It's really hard. Yeah. And so that's why this year, like I, I did a bunch of festivals and I, I played a bunch of shows. I mean, and then I jumped on the Pitbull tour and I did that for, I think I did, you know, that was like, that was crazy. It was a pop tour. You did it in three months and you're, you know, you're playing for 25,000 people on a Tuesday. Yeah. And I'm watching what people do in pop and I'm like, yo, like that's insane to me because it's like, you know, that was 54 shows in, in like 76 days or something. And when you look at it, it's like, 
that's all they had to do. I mean, there's obviously other touring that goes into it, but like in country, we're touring like Thursday night through Saturday night. I mean, there's ways to do this where you can be gone for three months and then have the, you know, the other, what, you know, nine months. Yeah. I'm bad at math. Of the other nine months, <laughs> nine, like, yeah. yeah, nine, sweet. Um, like, so be at home and, like, you know, enjoy that stuff. And you can make more money going less sometimes. So you, I mean, you learned a lot out with Pitbull, but you also, I mean, it's got to be, like, the, the context that you got and all of that. When you have, but so, so all the listeners know, so Tyler put out uh, USA, the features Pitbull, and then went on tour um, in 2020. No, no, this is last. This is this is twenty two. Yeah, this was just a okay. couple months ago. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, I'm bad at math too. No, you're good. Um, it was literally like uh, July, July of twenty two. So what are we top it? For did you days? write USA in twenty twenty? I wrote USA in twenty twenty one. Okay, that's right. Because okay. I played it here. Yeah, I that's, played it that's when I first room. started hearing it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I played it on the whole Brett Young tour, and then it came out like. Yeah. yeah, I do this thing where I just play a song that's not out for like a year and a half before it ever even comes out. It's a bad habit. I'm currently doing that right now. It's okay, though. Yeah, you test I mean, it out. You yeah, test yeah, them yeah. out, really. If the crowd likes it, cool, then yeah. you release it, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, let like talk about like how how that was career-wise, just, you know, being out and doing those shows with Pitbull and like, you know, I mean, you just kind of talked about the perspective change, seeing how that world works versus country yeah which is i, I know it's huge um, yeah, yeah. but you know like is that is that leading into like what your plan is for 2023 and how things are kind of changing um i it, genre wise i'm staying exactly who i am as an artist which has always been pushing the envelope of country anyway sure um so when it comes down to like just trying things i feel like because of you know even writing songs for other artists and like these kind of crazy off the wall songs that go viral or work well this way it's adding some of that into my arsenal as an artist not just a writer um that i'm starting to do more of that can kind of be a little bit more genre bending like i used to do um where i feel like i took the last couple years um with you know being at my record label and everything like that kind of trying to really go up the middle and hit that radio smash and I, i still push the envelope on a lot of things but not as much on production and i haven't chased it as much as i used to yeah. And that's what made it really special back in the day was like, it was just a little bit more out there. This guy with the man bun is singing country music, country lyric. But like, I mean, there were like John Bellion drops and stuff that I had like back in 2016. You know, it's like stuff that like you just didn't do in country. Things that like people didn't accept. Like, you know, if Love That About You didn't go to radio, it's because it has a snap track in it. And back in 20, top of 2019, they didn't want to have a snap track on radio. That's just not acceptable, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah. like, that's that's where it's like I need to go back to kind of pushing that envelope, and that's what I'm excited about doing in 2023. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not only the Pitbull tour; it's all these things. Like, like if you put it all together from 2015 on, and all the shows I've done and all the touring I've done, yeah, I, I, there's things I love about the aspect of the pop tour and the Pitbull tour. There's also things I love about the country touring as well. Um, I think there's just a healthy balance between the two. And really at this point, as I move forward in my career, it's like finding that balance, still gearing to play stadiums, being the biggest I possibly can. But, um, you know, just, just being smarter about how I approach it as opposed to saying yes to everything, doing absolutely everything, and then being 
so exhausted from mentally to physically to everything and then feeling like I didn't get what I deserved out of it. Yeah. And I feel like as I move forward, I think there's a healthy balance between doing everything and also, um, you know, monetarily winning at the end of the day. I think that's something I've learned more now than ever. Whereas, and I look, I don't think it's wrong to do it this way, but you know, I, I, it's not been about the money for me um, at all. None of this has, and it still isn't when I say that it's just, just want to live comfortably at this point. You know, I'm getting old, man. It's like, I just want to, you like, want a car. Yeah. I want a car, man. There you yeah. Go. It's just, I don't know. It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, I never really cared about that stuff. I only cared about like putting the music out and playing the shows, which I still only care about that to an extent. That's like my favorite thing in the world. That's all I want. Yeah. But you got to make a living. Yeah. That's you know, I, yeah. and it's like, yeah, when you, when, when you're in an industry that has so many people that take up piece of the pie, yeah. right? Like, that's okay because that's business. Yeah. But but that piece of the pie has got to be fair. And when you are the one that's being creative and you're going and sitting in a room and losing guitars and writing songs, you know, and you're the one that is burning the, the tires off of vehicles up and down the highway, being exhausted, like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's broken. I mean, the, the the industry is broken. Yeah. You know, and then, I mean, you know, and you, and we're talking about as an artist perspective, I mean, don't even get me started on the songwriting side of things. And yeah. you know, the, the, the way that that has changed with, you know, all the DSPs and out and everything, which is great, right? Like people are able to get their songs out so much easier and be able to build this fan base, but, mm-hmm. but you can't make a living off of it with, with the way that the pie is cut right now. Yeah. I think just overall in this industry, the way the pie is cut, but, then you, it's just held over you because like you need it, you need it cut that way because yeah. you need those people working for you for the connections that they have um, to help continue to build your music. Unless you have viral moments that you can actually pivot off of, but there's just so much luck into actually beating the system. But I feel like every industry, you know, that's just every system is broken to a certain extent. It's just about if what side of the system you're on and whether you decide it's broken or not, that's what it comes down that's, to. From, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. Where we're at right now, it's like, I don't know. I, 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 it's a, it's a daily thing. I go back and forth. It's like, and, and there's so many things I love about this industry too. Um, and I love the opportunities I've been given by people that I, you know, didn't, just, didn't have to give me the opportunity. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, like, yeah, I just wish there was a little bit more fairness on like, the amount of work that's put in from artists and uh, writers that they don't get to see monetarily, especially. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it will change. I hope it'll change. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a part of a couple different groups that, you know, and very good friends with agencies and, you know, label heads and, you know, I mean, it, it's not blind on them, you know, no, most yeah. of them, obviously, you know, it's, you know, it, it, as everything is kind of shifted, you know, it's just kind of uh it's just kind of like, how do we adapt? When do we adapt? And, you know, all that. So, um, but what you're doing is obviously working and, um, you know, I'm excited to see what, what 2023 brings. And I'm pumped. Yeah. So, uh, before we, uh, we kind of move on and, and start to wrap up, um, 2020 was also a, a big year and on a personal side. 
Yeah, I got married. Um, right, twenty twenty. Yeah, that, yeah, um, yeah. It was great. Uh, I mean, it was obviously COVID hit and that sucked. That was another European tour when I had to fly back, but um, there's a lot of great things that came out of that. Uh, a lot of perspective, obviously. That's what everyone says, but it wasn't lost on me, and it's helped like year these twenty twenty one and twenty two make all those great decisions from a personal aspect yeah. to uh, to a touring, to an artist's perspective. A lot of good songs have come from it, a lot of, a lot of uh, things. So it's been good, yeah. It's been a, it's been a good journey. She's a good one, too. Yeah. Not, not really sure how you got her. but uh, I'm lucky, yeah. She's amazing. <laughs> Same to you, man. Shoot. Yeah, um, I'm, uh, yeah, we both married up for sure. That's it, yeah. Straight up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I like to wrap up with everybody with a question. So, uh, but actually before we get to that, um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, uh, a really big question. So pizza hut or emos emos. Are you kidding me? Heck yeah. You already knew the answer. I know. I know. I knew the answer. Yeah. Emos pizza, man. Slice. What is it? Slice beyond compare. Yeah. The square beyond compare. Yeah. Man. Every single time I go back home to good old Wildwood, Missouri, um, I gotta have it. We were just there, uh, for Christmas, uh, I have to have back it. in, in, at the end of 22 and, um, oh, yeah. yeah. so you can get the half big, you can get it shipped to your house. Yeah. Yeah. On dry ice. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And the toasted raviolis. Oh, you get the bags of them. I saw it on the, uh, on the pimple tour, um, just a couple months ago. Um, I had, uh, I like my team hit, hit up emos locally there and, um, like they showed up at the venue for free just like there was like 10 boxes of everything and then you had that is the best green room writer ever is like emos oh yeah but That's i brought like, it for like i brought it for pitbull's whole team because i needed them to understand how amazing this was yeah and this is the venue i grew up going to so like where what which one uh what was it it was called verizon back in the day okay what, was it now the uh yeah yeah uh whatever uh, yeah i don't even remember what it's called now but yeah, yeah. uh hol- holiday uh, whatever hollywood Pavilion, bank, or what, yeah, I don't even. I don't whatever, know. dude. Yeah, twenty five thousand people. It's your average outdoor amphitheater with a lawn and the seats and everything. And I grew up going there, like in high school, and my entire life going to this venue. And I finally get to play it, and uh, probably just one of the bigger moments in St. Louis for me. And I'm, I had emos cater the whole, the whole back, uh, back green room and everything. And dude, that um, is so cool, man. I yeah, and the, everyone on Pipple's camp was just like they, they devoured it. <laughs> Catering wasn't that good that day, so I was I was I definitely won that one. It was yeah. great. Emos to, to the rescue. So yeah, yeah, I love it. It was great. Yeah, I I knew I knew what the answer was going to be. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Don't have a lot of people on here that even know what emos is. Oh. So it's like yeah, I've had it shipped to our house um, here in Nashville a couple times. It's oh, like yeah. when people come over and like you ready to have your mind blown. Yeah, so it's the move. Yeah. All right, so final question. Knowing what you know now in the industry and everything that you've done, especially since 2011 moving to Nashville, you're talking to eight-year-old Tyler Fillmore. What kind of advice do you give yourself? Uh, I mean, I don't know what advice I give myself. I wouldn't change a thing if, like, there's an easier way to say it. Like, all these ups and downs and, like, the path it took me to get here, you always wish it would have happened faster. Honestly, I don't know if I would have gone to college. Um, <laughs> that would give me four faster years in Nashville, honestly. I, 
my sophomore year at Mizzou, and I love Mizzou. I had a, I had a blast. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't change it for the world. But if I had to give advice, I probably would have just skipped it, gone straight from high school to here, maybe gone to Belmont so I could have made the connections for four years while I was in town. Um, I think that would have shaved four years off of Nashville for me because I would have already been in the scene mm-hmm. hanging out. Because like you said, you have to be here. So getting here faster would be probably the only thing. Yeah. Because I, if everything went the same way, but it'd probably be different. But so that's why I wouldn't change a thing. And I, and I loved college and I loved every piece of where I'm at. Probably supposed to happen this way. Wouldn't met my wife. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't have been the same way, right? Yep. So Amen. I don't know. Well said, bro. Yeah, I don't know. I would probably pick up the eight year old me. Start playing the guitar sooner. Be better at solos. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't. Know. I love it. Stop playing piano when you're not. We're not that good at it. Do something else. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to writing. Six of scene. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Well, dude, I love you to death, man. And I'm so, uh, I'm just so glad that you could sit down with us for a little bit and share your story. And you know, look forward to having you back and talking later. You know, down the road and talk in, about dude. more stuff that's happened. Yeah. Well, so I would love to do this again. I appreciate you having me. And uh, maybe next time there won't be a. You know, a fire truck in the distance. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's kind of like, it's kind of turning into a thing. It might be a thing. And we were just it. talking about like, okay, maybe we should do this in a studio somewhere that's different. But now, I don't know. Like, every podcast has to have a fire truck. Yeah, and then can we just cue the outro, Fireman by Lil Wayne? Okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it, man. All right. Well, uh, let everybody know where where can they uh, follow you on socials? Uh, Fillmore Music. It's 1F1L music so f-i-l-m-o-r-e music that's everything it's at fillmore music all right this is stories behind the songs with chris blair and you've been listening to fillmore go check his music out follow him buy his music do all the things it all helps and we'll see you next time this has been an episode of stories behind the songs with chris blair for more information after the show, head over to chrisblair.com. That's where you can find information on these episodes, trailer notes, video links, all kinds of great stuff. Also, make sure to leave us a great rating on iTunes. Like and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. I really hope that you think this show is awesome and we really appreciate the love and support. I promise to keep gathering great content and continuing to sit down with more amazing songwriters and artists as we grow. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the support. We'll see you next time.